0: hey guys welcome welcome back to the show welcome to the very first video interview episode of Side Hustle Pro this is new for me this is exciting so today we're chatting with one of the all-time most adored Side Hustle Pro guests Angel Gregorio and I have to say the most stylish too (laughs) the all-time flyers Angel is the founder and owner of the Spice Suite, which is a growing community-centric spice boutique located in Washington DC's Tacoma Park community. Angel is also a mommy. She's a home cook, activist, and educator with a knack for blurring the line between food and fashion. And um, when we first spoke with Angel on this show back in 2018, can you believe it was that long ago? So she, you told us that you walked by a vacant storefront with no plan, no desire to be a small business owner that day, and decided on the spot to turn it into a spice shop. So that spice shop has now become a dream incubator and haven. Um, it was voted best spice shop in Washington City Papers, best of D.C., and so the Spice Suite, it offers fresh spice blends and cooking oils from all around the world, but it does weigh more than that, right? You, as a way to pay it forward and support fellow dreamers, also offer the space at the Spice Suite for pop-up shops, free of charge, no fine print, no commission. And I know because I did a pop-up shop for Side House of Pro merch right before I had my baby. And that is really what I love the most about you and what you do at the Spice Sweet Angel and the community that you have created. And since embarking on your self-proclaimed food is fashion journey, you and your business have been featured on a variety of local and national media platforms, such as the Washington Post, Martha Stewart, beyonce's black parade hey hey now exonical and essence.com and guys i'm going to stop right there because i will let angel tell us the rest all right so (laughs) let's get into today's show so welcome back angel
1: Thank you so much. I'm so proud of you.
0: I'm so proud of you. I'm inspired by you. And that means a lot to me, you know, because I I see the I see how much you pour into others and I see how much you help others on the journey to grow. And um, yeah, I really do look to you and you might not always realize that you are mentoring me when we aren't even speaking, but Hmm. you are. And one of the things I definitely want to touch on in our update is all the ways that the Spice Suite has expanded since we oh. last spoke. I mean, let's talk about this food is fashion journey. Like it, it started out as something you said and then it's actually become a lifestyle brand.
1: Oh. <laughs> it's Amazing. It's so mind blowing to me, nikela Like when we spoke which is crazy to think that that was 2018, Yeah, like the space that I was in with the store, I was just, I was so excited. Like I was so excited. I felt like I had grown this business and that I was, you know, of course still would have work to do, but I was just excited right. about what I had done. And if someone had told me that I had to close the doors to the Spice Suite at that moment, after that podcast interview had wrapped, I would have felt like I did something good. And now looking at what I've done in the three years since we spoke, I am so just enamored by the success of this space and not because i'm patting myself on the back but because i know that like the success of the spice suite is primarily on the backs of people who look like me like mm-hmm. i didn't grow this business by signing a deal with a big box store mm-hmm. i didn't grow this business by taking an investment from you know some capital venture venture right. firm. like i grew this business with black women by my side with the support of customers you know black mainly black people all over the country world at this point um and so it just feels really good and food is fashion has really become like being able to really like live that out now right like something I just said and now to have it printed on everything from cooking utensils and plates to cast iron skillets and you know t-shirts it's just wild (laughs) it is
0: and it it, it truly is something that like you said is just grown as a result of the love of black women. And I have seen that line myself personally wrap around the corner, the DC block corner, like of people waiting to get into the spice suite. You know, that's not something you see often. And, and as, with something so, so unique as a spice product also, but let's get into this. I got my notes here. <laughs> so spice Suite was a physical location now it's expanded into products utensils cookware all of that where did you start when you were thinking of getting into that um what was your first step in in just exploring actual products <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I first started with wanting to do cast iron. And I chose cast iron skillets because one, I love them. So I Mm -hmm. only create products that I use and love. Like I don't want it to ever feel forced. I don't want it to feel like gimmicky and I'm trying to force something on you. Like I sell it by using it, right? So I thought cast iron skillets would be awesome for that because I love them. But also because of like the legacy and history that cast iron skillets had to black families. Like Mm -hmm. if you get your grandma's cast iron skillet, you know, like that's like a prized possession Fashion, right, it's almost like getting a piece of her jewelry, like something you covet and you have and you want forever. And so I thought, like, how cool would it be to know that there will be folks who will have my cast iron skillets in their families for centuries, possibly, because they continue to pass them down. Because cast iron is really that thing that just lasts forever. So I knew yeah. for sure that that would be the first thing that I would create. And I really started all wrong. Like I started with like buying cast iron skillets that were not not branded, um, and then. And taking them, I used to drive them out to this store in Arlington, I think, in Arlington, Virginia, that, um, that engraved trophies. I could not figure out how to get someone to engrave cast iron. Like no one wanted to engrave it. Like even the folks I knew who were like craftsmen who build things, they were like, yeah, no, like we can't engrave cast iron because you wouldn't be able to cook on it anymore. And I'm like, well, there has to be a way like this company is doing it that we all know. So I have to figure it out. And so until then, I was like, I'm just going to drive them out to the store. They said they can engrave them. So I was literally getting them engraved and like making hardly any money off of them because I was spending so much on the skillets and then the engraving. But I just wanted the product to exist. So I just was willing to take the loss to make it happen. That,
0: that is crazy. And did they even have a price
1: for that or did they just make it up, charge you something super expensive? <laughs> yep. It was like this arbitrary price, like, uh yeah, I right. can do it for you for like $15 a skillet. And I was like, <laughs> okay, like I just want them done. I wasn't even thinking yeah. about the profit margin, didn't even have enough business savvy to, you know, think it through. And in my, my, you know, self, as you can tell from my journey and how I got started, I am so impulsive. Yes. So when I want it, I want to see it happen immediately so they can make it happen immediately. So <laughs> I did it. And of course, now we've moved to kind of overseas manufacturing and now, you know, because I can meet the volumes. Like, at right, first, right. I can't meet those volumes where they want it, you know, for you to get it customized, you have to mm-hmm. order at least, you know, 5,000 units. And I was like, I can't order 5,000. <laughs> you know, I've ordered 5,000 still, it's about 500 times, you know, at this point. So, I, you know, it's just crazy to think that, like, I went from having to just haul them in the back of my car mm-hmm. and say them to Arlington to now getting, you know, 250 boxes of cast time wow. over here at a time.
0: Wow. And I, I love that you touched on the profit margin because, you know, can I speak from my own experience? Like, I, I did merch when I started South House Pro and then I was like, oh, this is a lot of work for low margins. Sure. <laughs> right? But I... I know there's a better way to do things, right? And so I'm getting ready to do that now for the fifth year anniversary. And I'm like, how do I make it make sense, right? Like, how did you make the margins work for you?
1: So I think for me, the first thing was to recognize the type of brand that I wanted. Like mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to have a luxury spice brand, right? And I can't. And so the hard part about that is I wanted a luxury spice brand, but I didn't have the money to invest in luxury packaging and printing and labeling, you know, and all the things that make it look and feel like luxury. Mm-hmm. So what I did at first was like, let me focus on making sure I have a luxury product. Mm-hmm. Like I knew that even if I had to, if I was still writing on labels, like I was five years ago, that what is inside this this bottle is going to wow you and you won't even think about the fact that what's in it is, you know, what, with the packaging isn't amazing. Yeah. And so it was really like identifying what lane I wanted to be in because in, in retail, then, you know, folks have options, right? Like yeah. there's, Old Navy, Gap, Banana Republic, same yeah. brand, but like, it's how much money are you trying to spend on this white shirt? Because we have yeah. different levels of them. And so I knew I wanted quality. I knew I wanted to compete with the other spice shops who were um, our family owned, had been around for hundreds of years, who weren't going anywhere, and they were charging you a premium. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to compete with them. And so I did it that way. And I think the easiest way for me to figure out how to make it make sense for me financially was to save Every, in every way that I could without compromising my brand identity. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want it to ever look cheap and cheesy, but I knew that if it were like a decision between glossy versus matte paper and one was more expensive, then it's like, I'm just gonna have to take the loss on this one and do the least expensive paper until I make enough money. So, saving everywhere I could. Like, this is the first year that I've had um, retail bags that were branded. Mm-hmm. I was just doing plain bags before because those were cheaper. And now yeah. that we're in a place financially, I want my customers to see the investment that they make when they shop with me. And even, you know, it's very small. And I know customers don't think about the fact that my bags now have my, you know, name on it and our our copy on it. But to me, yeah. that was a big deal because a year ago, you know, two years ago, I couldn't afford that.
0: I love that you, I love that you bring that up because, um, it can be so hard in the beginning to decide where do I spend money on what, you know, cause you're like, okay, people need to see my bags as people are walking out the store. People need to know and see that branding. Right. But then no, that is not your product. Like you're not in the, you're not in the industry of bags. Stay focused. Stay focused. <laughs> so speaking of what you're in the industry of what came first, the like subscription box or creating the products and, and having people order those directly.
1: Yep. So we always um, had, you know, our physical location in DC. That was always our thing. We only got, we started to do some e commerce. Um, and when I started to do e commerce in the beginning, it was just me figuring it out. And I would let people DM me, chefs would DM, like, hey, can I order? And I'm like, sure, you can order. I put something together for you. There weren't that many people trying to order. Yeah. At some point, things got crazy. And <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't handle this anymore. I need to figure out something that makes sense. So instead of doing a subscription box, what I did was I put together what I call a spice box. And I knew that if I were going to try to crank out hundreds of orders a month, because I I wanted them to drop monthly one time, like shoes, because food is fashion, right? So I treated Mm -hmm. this like a Jordan release, where I'm going to tell you when it's being released, I'm going to drop them a set number of them. And when they're gone, they're gone. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, And the way to make it make sense for me was everybody who orders a box gets the same exact items. So that way I can have the boxes ready At one o'clock today, and they don't go and sell until four o'clock because all I'm waiting for is your name and address to slap on the Mm -hmm. on the box. I don't have to wait to see what you're going to order because you're only ordering what I put online. And we won't ever have a site where you can order individual items just because our goal is always to like optimize the customer service experience and to work smarter. And for me and my team, working smarter means getting those boxes out quickly, efficiently, and making sure that everybody gets the same thing, everybody's boxes packaged the same way. The same way, it just makes life so much easier, and we can do so much more volume because at some Mm -hmm. points we're selling, you know, three hundred boxes in two minutes. Wow! I know
0: that when I went to get the utensils, that was like, I was like, am I tripping? (laughs) Is my Wi-Fi working? Those things were gone. Okay, gone. And, you know, I'm trying to outfit my whole kitchen in spicy and smoothest fashion year. So I was like, what is happening? And mind you, this was during a time where it's so crazy with the, the craziness of last year that I would, you know, tune into Instagram and I couldn't believe. I'm like, is Angel starting a whole new business? Like, is she is he releasing completely new products during this time? Can you talk about how you got through the challenge of having to close the shop while also starting to venture into these new spaces with your business.
1: Sure. So it all happened so fast um, for me. When I when you know, when DC shut down um, and we could have fought to stay open because we sell spices, we could have argued that we are essential and mm-hmm. stayed open. But for the health and safety of my family, the Spice Girls, it just wasn't worth the fight. So I figured, mm-hmm. let's just shut down. Um, and I knew that there were some things I wanted to do to the space aesthetically anyway. So it was kind of the perfect um, time to do it. Of course, nobody knew we would be closed as long as we were. Mm-hmm. But I figured, oh, a couple of weeks gives me time to paint. And And not have people in and do some cute little things around the shop. And so while we were closed, I'd already released the cast iron skillets. And at that point, I had real ones, not the ones I was getting printed at the trophy (laughs) shop. Um, And I was doing like infused honeys and a lot of fun things. And I was approached by this big box luxury um, home store Mm -hmm. and they wanted to do business with me and they wanted to bring some of my products into this store. And for about a half a second, I considered it. And then I paused and was like, if they want to do business with the spice suite that means i have something they want but why would i do business business with them i can just become the black version of them so i literally you know decided you know what I'm just going to become the black version of that. I'm going to go through my kitchen and I literally like that night I went walked in my kitchen with my note section in my phone and I like typed out all the things I use all the time. I like garlic press, dough mm-hmm. scooper, utensils, um, you know, cast iron skillets, oven mitts, like everything and that was my that was like my vision board almost. My note yeah. section in my phone and one by one, I started to create all of those things with my own brand. And I wanted to create it. And I decided I'm just going to do a kitchen takeover. Like, Mm -hmm. why do we have to have like one or two things by a black business in our kitchen? Like, why can't everything be owned and branded by a black owned business? And so I set out to do that. And of course I did it over time because I needed to make money, to reinvest money, to buy the more expensive products. And now we have about 22 to 24 different kitchenware items Mm. um, that we have in store now. And all of that happened during COVID. Like all of that happened while we were shut down. And when we reopened, I figured... If we're going to shut down for this long, when we reopen, it needs to be like a thing because people are going to be scared. People are yeah. going to be scared to get out and walk and go in stores again. They, You know, nobody really knows what's safe and what's not safe. So I need to make something that makes people excited and eager to get out where they almost feel like they're willing to risk it all. <laughs> that was me saying like, you know what? I'm just going to have an entire kitchenware section. So I took out the cute little sofa and Pac-Man game and all the fun stuff that I just bought into the store. Yeah. I gave it away and decided that whole side out of the store needed to be kitchenware and we spell mm-hmm. wear, you know, W-E-A-R just because your kitchen should wear it and it should be set Oh, that's so cute. Displayed. I can't wait to um, see it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so when cool. I was there, it was the Pac-Man and, yeah, you know, yeah, that stuff. It's um, so different. So you were planning to, like, that happened kind of as... Um, things were shutting down and it wasn't like you were like oh things are shut down let me start you know making money some other way
1: no it was just it was random like when I got that call and they wanted to do business with me I decided in that moment to just do it and it didn't take you know super long for me to kind of research and find some uh, manufacturers order samples approve them and then I just like got going and now I'm like I feel like I can't stop like now you know I'm, I'm about to release knives and tote bags and more and more things yeah. and it's like okay what what else do I need in my kitchen? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and so this is the part that I mean when I say like, you know, you're inspiring to me because something like this will sometimes stop me in my tracks, like I will be intimidated by how do I find the right manufacturer? Do you think about things like that? Or you're like, let me research, find one that I think
1: is good. And if they turn out not to be great, I'll switch later. That is exactly me. I don't, I don't get bogged down with like the details, yeah. but I'm also the girl who will buy a new car without test driving it. I'm like, I like the car. It's cute. It's exactly the car I wanted. Just drop it off. Like, I don't need to go out and test drive it. Like if it mm-hmm. breaks down, I don't have the warranty and we can negotiate that part later. But it's just like, I want what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I just kind of trust the universe and that the, you know things will be provided for me and that I'll make the right decisions. Um, and I just hope that the good energy that I put out and the integrity and honor that I you know, operate with is yes. it comes back to me in the form of the business that I do with other people. And so I'm grateful that I've not found a manufacturer who was shady. Um, yes. Everything, I've, every business transaction I've made has gone well. Sometimes I'm frustrated because they're coming from like India or China and it takes long to get here, but it always arrives.
0: Yeah. And, and I do, I think what you just said was so critical. So something to keep in mind for all of us. Like, I like that you said, Like I believe that the good energy that I have and i put it out there will be returned to me, you know, more or less. And, and I've never thought of it like that, but that's so true. Like, why, why wouldn't I believe that I'm doing the best I can? I'm operating with integrity. I believe it will work out.
1: Yep.
0: All right, guys. I know you're spending a lot of time thinking about your side hustle, how to get started, all of that, right? But have you thought about how you're going to email and stay connected with your audience? What about how you're even going to make money? Well, don't worry because AWeber has thought about all of this for you. AWeber has all the tools that you need to stay connected with your audience, share your messages about your products or services, and make money. With Aweber, you get the email marketing solutions that you need to grow your business. You can choose from a huge library of pre-built email templates, so you don't have to have a lot of experience or be a graphic designer to create beautiful emails. You can just use the easy drag and drop features to create your custom emails. You can even connect your brand's Facebook page and then an email design will automatically populate. How cool is that? Aweber also has a landing page builder with access to unlimited landing page templates and a pre-stocked image library. So you can create your custom landing page in minutes without paying thousands of dollars to a graphic designer. Plus, using the landing page builder, you have the ability to collect payments So you can set up a landing page and start selling your products or services online directly through Aweber. How cool is that? It only takes a few minutes to get set up and boom, start making money. Oh, and you definitely need to use Aweber's web push notifications. It allows you to send messages to your visitors even when they're not currently on your website. Yes, (laughs) that's pretty cool. And all of these features are included in an account. No a la carte pricing. They even have a free plan. But guess what? Side Hustle Pro listeners, you can try Aweber's Pro Plan right now. No risk, no credit card. Just visit aweber.com and use code HUSTLEPRO to get a free 30-day trial of Aweber's Pro Plan. Again, that's aweber.com and use code HUSTLEPRO to try the Pro Plan free for 30 days. Enjoy. Now, you mentioned the cast iron skillets and that in and of itself is expensive. We've already talked about that. So although you're spontaneous, I mean, at at some point you have to think through, Okay, (laughs) the fiscal side of it. Right. Like how much is this going to cost? How much am I willing to put up? Were you starting out when you were testing the waters with quantities like 50 or did you go all in and, and, you know, get bolts of thousands of products?
1: So when i started i was just getting the minimum like whatever they said the minimum was to customize it i was like okay if the minimum is five i'll take five that sounds safe yep we'll do it if the minimum was 500 though i was like ah that's crazy but i need it so i don't really have a choice so i'm just gonna have to do it and roll the dice on it and i also i mean of course What I have to say is like while I am taking these risks and rolling the dice when I'm ordering these products and maybe ordering these numbers um, that just seem like really mind blowing, I also knew from selling out spice boxes and having lines around the corner and things like that that I had a tribe of people who support my product and my brand and they were going to buy it. Right. So it wasn't like this me thinking about this day one opening the store. I'm just willing to invest all this money and risk it. I had some data. You know what I mean to support that if. I order 500 skillets, I see about five to 600 guests in a weekend, I could probably move these skillets. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I don't want to make it sound like I was really rolling the dice and taking this wild gamble without any, you know, idea whether I would sell them or not. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely had some sort of um, a lot of historical data to support, you know, like how my customers spend and the trends and how much, you know, an average sale is and what they're willing to spend on products. Um, And my products are comparably priced, Right. right? Like I wasn't releasing cast iron skillets that cost $150 when they're $50 you know, everywhere else. That is a very good point to
0: bring up. You're absolutely right. Like your customers are diehards. They're loyal. They will trek through the rain, wait in the rain outside to get what they need. And that's because you provide such quality, luxurious, tasty, you know, uh, products and spices. And um, was there a way that you were still able to sell spices while the actual physical store was shut down? Or did you just completely shift to like kitchenware?
1: Yeah. So we were still do- um, selling spices What the major shift in that, though, was that prior to COVID, I was still bottling spices, mm-hmm. labeling them, kind of doing a lot of that stuff myself um, with my team. You know, we were doing it and things got so busy during COVID that I was like, you know what? It is time to scale. Um, And I have been not fighting it, but I've been kind of nervous about like what that looks like, because that is a totally different invoice when you start looking at co-packers. Right. Because now that means that I have to take all of my recipes for my spices. And instead of like just blending them and mixing them and, you know, storing them myself, I have to send these recipes to a co-packer. They send me a sample back. I taste it and I say, yep this is garlicky savina this is exactly the you know the recipe that i sent you and once i approve it they bottle it and label it and ship it to me in the same way that these major brands do and then i just have to put them on the shelves the thing though is that they aren't going to send me 25 bottles or 50 bottles like the minimum orders for a lot of these places is about 150 cases Mm. you know a case is 12 and that's per spice Yeah, I have about 102 different spices on my shelves. So that's a lot of money. That's a lot of spices. And you pay for the recipe development part too. Like I have to pay them to send them my recipe and sign an NDA and, you know, make sure that they aren't selling my recipes to other places so that you only get it, you Mm -hmm. know, at the spice suite. But that was really expensive, but I had to do it because I was selling too many to continue to bottle them myself. And so that was the best decision I could have made because now I literally can tell them like, yeah, I'm ready to reorder and they send me several pallets worth of spices um, and I don't have to do anything to them. (laughs) The team literally receives it and unpacks them and stocks my shelves. And now we're at a point where we have to, you know, we're only open Friday through Sunday because we needed Monday through Thursday to receive shipments, get online orders out and restock because online was so busy and we moved so much merchandise over the weekend. My team needed more days to prepare the store.
0: And so you already had a team that could take care of the shipping.
1: Yeah. You know, so at first, effective. yeah, yeah. So I had a team already and the team has shifted a little bit because the roles needed to change. OK. Um, like Now the roles are more around like the operations and online and restocking and fulfillment and less of like in store things that were happening before. Um, but, yeah, I have an amazing team um, and I'm grateful for them. They're the bomb.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've interacted with some of your team, and they're incredible. And you know, I think that is so. I don't even know. That's just so cool that you're able to to build that. And it, I think that's part of the universe giving you back what you're giving it because those people they gravitate to you, and they're happy to support you, and you know, they want to be there. Now, come on, share some tips. Like, where do you get these people?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's so. And then, you know what's funny is people always say like you don't hire family and friends. Everybody I pay is a family or a friend. I've not hired any stranger to work for me. Wow! Yeah. Um, And I've not been burned by them. I've not had any bad experiences with them. But I also just feel like if you know and love competent people, then why not hire them? Like, why would I look beyond the competent, amazing, skilled person that I know to Mm -hmm. hire someone else just because of this myth that hiring family and friends or doing business with family and friends doesn't work? You know, like my assistant is a girl I've known practically my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also believe that when you hire your family and friends, you pay them. Them well too, right? Like they don't mind working for me or taking on the title of my assistant, which can sometimes yeah. sound inferior, you know, yeah. because she yeah. is paid well and my team you know, is taken care of and I value them and we delineate business from family. Like we have times when we talk just about business and I don't want to talk about my kids or, you know, like <laughs> anything else. And there are times when, you know, we can switch and we do the other and I try not to blur those lines. Mm-hmm. But my only tip for hiring good people is to Take your time and be clear about exactly what you need. You can't just like generally hire people. Like people need to have specific skill sets that you can identify and things that you know Mm -hmm. um, how to do, especially in the beginning, like hiring them. Like I knew how to mix label package restock because I was doing it all by myself for two and a half years like literally by myself so when they came on I could easily tell when they were doing the right thing or were not because <laughs> I knew it. like I knew your job because I did your job right like now they do things that I don't do because the operations have shifted and the company is doing things that it wasn't doing when I was doing it by myself so now I'm learning from them but in the beginning it was so important that I was in a role to like hire them lead and teach them, um, so that we could grow in it together. And then the goal was for them to kind of grow beyond that. And then they become the teacher.
0: So what was your vision when you started to think through turning this into more of a lifestyle brand, like beyond just a physical spice shop and what actually happened, you know, what surprised you?
1: Um, so when my vision for turning this into a lifestyle brand was really just my desire to be like blackness in everybody's houses, right? Like I really just wanted, like, you know, in the same way that we see Martha Stewart and Rachel Ray, you know, and these brands that we've come to know and recognize. Um, and we don't even know much about these people, right? We just know that they are like household names. And i right. was like, well, why can't we become a household name? And for a while I was reluctant because I felt like I couldn't take over people's homes without signing a deal with a big box store. Mm-hmm. Like, I just didn't think I could do it. And knowing that I've been able to infiltrate as many spaces as I have with just my one location has been um, like a confidence booster. Like it makes me feel like I can do anything. And I feel like this food is fashion journey this space of creating kitchenware and designing and creating what has become a lifestyle brand Mm -hmm. has been the difference between um this business just being like this thing that i enjoy doing and the thing that will create wealth for my grandchildren Like it has really like changed my life. Uh, That's it right there. I mean, that is it. And and you don't always start out knowing what that will be.
0: You are like the biggest testament to doing good work, doing hard work and also
1: listening, listening to the signs of where life is leading you. Yep. Yeah. I had no idea that, this will be my path. Like I didn't stop I me. Mean, of course, you know, I didn't start off even wanting to own a spice shop. I was just excited. You know, in the beginning, I used to be excited when we won the Washington City paper, like best spice shop DC. And then a couple of years ago, I was like, wait, it's time to do the running for best spice shop. And I don't see best spice shop as a category. And I realized that every spice shop in DC had closed. I was the only one left. And, I, you know, I wasn't focused on the competition. I, I don't research them. I clearly don't shop with them. <laughs> it didn't even dawn on me that I was the only one left. And these are spice shops that are franchises that have, you know, shops in Tyson's Corner in Annapolis and really, you know, they, they were in Georgetown. Like these weren't spice shops that were in some random little pockets. Like some of these spice shops um, have been around for decades in yeah. the city and have made their mark. And this is what people knew as the spice shop of D.C. And now I've been able to change that you know, kind of single-handedly, and it is really kind of humbling and mind-blowing at the same time that you know this educator turned Spice Girl <laughs> has been able to like change the way people you, yeah. you know see and experience Spice Shops in right. DC.
0: Speaking of all of your, you know, multi-titles, multi-hyphenates, right? One thing that is different about you, and this could have something to do with the other spice shops closing as well, is the marketer, the natural marketer in you, (laughs) Angel. Like when you release videos, (laughs) let me pull up your Instagram. When you release And my husband's gonna laugh at this because I, you know, I'm a marketer, but I'm also very easily marketed to as well. So it's like even though I know what's happening, it's like, oh, I need that. <laughs> so every time you would drop a video and you know, it'll be like the slow motion things sizzling in the pot. The it's just like, how do you not of hitting the pink? Do you have a team for that? Or do you sit, do you come up with these ideas on your own to just like
1: make your, your products look so so crazy is I have never thought twice before posting a video. I've I've never planned a post. I've never watched a video I've posted. (laughs) <laughs> like not? A, I don't even listen to interviews that I've done. I don't watch myself. Like yeah. I don't watch myself. I don't listen to, I don't, to the interviews. I just yeah, can't. <laughs> I, I don't like to do that. I don't. I watch the videos that I post mm-hmm. at all. I don't plan them, and I've never ever edited a video in my life. I don't own any video editing. At I don't know how to use them. Before yeah. Reels, I was recording my videos in Instagram before. Yeah. Like, I've never used anything else. I literally would just record my cooking videos with one hand, and I would be flipping with the other hand. And that was just that. And I was just posted, and whatever caption came to mind while I was typing, right. it would be the caption. But I really don't put a lot of thought into it. Mm. Like, I really wanted my social media to be this, like, organic kind of display and introduction to who I am and how I talk. I wanted it to always feel like my voice. When people meet me, you know, and hear me talk, it sounds exactly like I do on Instagram because it's (laughs) me. Like nobody wrote it for me. I've never worked with anybody. I've never hired anybody to do PR, marketing, branding, Mm -hmm. um, anything. I just spent my first dollar on marketing when I did the Metro bus ad a couple months ago. Prior to that, I had never spent money on marketing before. What made you do the Metro bus ad? Uh, My accountant. <laughs> My counselor was like, okay, so taxes are different for you now. You need to spend some money. Um, and they were like, marketing is 100% tax deductible. Like, spend <laughs> some money on marketing. And I'm like, well, I don't know because I'm like, I spend money with like photographers, of course, and like on videography when we do yeah. these professional things with the Spice Girls and such. But honestly, so many people gift me things and I like give them, you know, some money, but they don't right. ever charge me what they're supposed to. Like, mm-hmm. photographers are just like, there's this reciprocal you know, kind of relationship. And so he was like, well, look, they're in Texas. So my my accountant was like, what about a billboard? And I'm like, billboards (laughs) aren't really a thing in DC. Like, you know, and I'm DC through and through. Like a DC native, DC girl. You know, I don't really do business in Maryland a lot. Like I stay in the city, like I love (laughs) DC. And so I was like, you know what? there is nothing more DC than Metro. Yes. And I just like, I got so excited and I literally remember the thought coming to me while I was on the Zoom with the accounts and I was like, I got you, I'll spend my, I'll spend my, what's my marketing budget? I was like, I'm going to spend all of it. (laughs) And so I called and, you know, did a quick little Google search to figure out how to get an ad on the bus. We had already done the photo shoot and I didn't expect to use those photos. Those weren't done specifically for that. That was just me wanting to get the Spice Girls together. And I wanted to surprise them uh, because while You know, a lot of people know my brand in D.C. They don't know my connection to the Spice Girls and what that means and how much they mean to me. And so, like, I feel like the biggest thank you you can give is to kind of reinvest in somebody, especially with the relationship that we have. And I wanted to reinvest in them by kind of spending the marketing money on them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did a couple of ads, you know, solo ads too, but I really wanted to surprise them with their faces on the Metro bus. I'm like, that's something they'll never forget. They'll always have the pictures and videos of it. It's like this, you know, kind of historic. Thing yeah. things um, and not a lot of people do it it's not a common form of advertising and I just felt like you know for it I wanted the buses to span right like I didn't want just buses in like Silver Spring and Upper Northwest I wanted buses that would go through the hood I wanted buses that would go to Northern Virginia I wanted buses that'll go through Maryland because I wanted little black girls and boys to be standing at bus stops on Benning Road Georgia Avenue Massachusetts Avenue and mm-hmm. see all these black women on the bus and wonder like what do they do Yeah. You know, like and and I wanted them to, you know, hopefully find us on Instagram and realize like, wow, like they sell candles and earrings and shades, you know, and and find out like what they do and what we do and be inspired by that.
0: Before we get into the lightning round, I'm really curious, you know, one of the things that always stood out to me about you as well, and we, we talked about this in your very first time on the show, is that you are big on knowing what's for you. And, you know, people would ask you like, hey, how come you're not open here? How come you're not doing this? And you're like, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> Here's what I do. Here's when I'm open. Now that you have seen that interest from other stores and other brands and the fact that we want this to be in other homes and as many Black, well, I would want, you know, selfishly to be able to get product anytime I want, (laughs) right? So have you considered, like, will I, will you expand into big box stores at some point um, because of that representation of being a Black-owned lifestyle brand in these spaces where we're not usually in?
1: So I just recently started to become open to the idea so recently in the past like month or two i've had conversations with a couple folks at a couple different um big box stores and i am open to the idea of it i really just wanted to cross the seven figure threshold all by myself first like i I really i really needed to do (laughs) thank you i really really wanted to do that um, by myself like i really um that was important to me because i want to always be able to control my own narrative like i you know i think for some people it's like like, however you get your first millions is how you get it, right? Like, it doesn't matter, which I get. But for me, it was super important for me as a small business owner, as a Black woman business owner Mm -hmm. um, who loves community and loves Black people and Blackness to, like, be able to make my first millions without having to compromise the integrity Mm -hmm. of my brand or the Blackness of my brand. Mm -hmm. Every single product I sell in my store now has a stamp on it that says, Handmade in D.C. by a Black woman. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to have to take that off because, you know, this store thought that that might be a little much or it might be, <laughs> you know, like I don't want to have to negotiate in that way. Yeah. And now I'm at a space where it's like, this is my brand. There's not a single person who follows, heard of, you know, investigates the spice sweep. It's not clear about who I am here for right. and who I love and who I'm rooting for. Right. So if you approach me, I'm assuming that you've done some research and you know, exactly. I'm not taking that stamp off of my product. Yep. Um, and so now I feel comfortable with having those conversations because there's a little bit of confidence that comes with like financial security security yeah. whereas before if they would have approached me then maybe I would have done it um because I would have been you know like at some point she's just kind of like wanting the money to come so that you can do all the things you want to do yeah. when in reality I've done so much more than what I wanted to do with the spice suite like I always say I'm living a dream I didn't even know I had and at this point I like I'm pinching myself almost daily
0: Living a dream I didn't even know I had. That, that's it right there. That is the epitome of how I want us all to live our life. With that openness of knowing that um, we don't. We don't know where we're going to be in a year, five years, ten years from now. We just don't. And and maybe we could take some pressure off of ourselves from thinking that we need to and that we need to be able to describe that. Because again, if you remain open like you have done and listen, like life will show you signs. It will yeah. take you where you need to go. Absolutely. And when we spoke in 2018, I had no idea. Like I, I had no idea that this would all come from the spice we right. Yeah. That one day I would want to outfit my whole house. <laughs> <laughs> a girl. it's
1: my sweet life um are you gonna move beyond the kitchen like what, what are you thinking I think I'll stay in the kitchen, in the kitchen? In the okay kitchen. there's still a few more things I want to do in the kitchen I might creep yeah, I into you. your closet but um, definitely just the kitchen. I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind the living room like I'm looking
0: at your gallery wall right now like I just I'll, I'll take all of that honestly <laughs> So now we're going to jump into the lightning round. You know the deal. Just answer the very first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So number one, um, what is the latest resource that has really helped you in your business and the new areas you've gone into that you can share with the Side hustle Pro audience?
1: The latest resource that's helped me is really just Instagram. Like all the new updates and features like help me like reels and things like that have simplified the way in which I can market and share my products. Um, I'm really simple. Like I don't do a lot. I don't have a ton of apps on my phone. All right.
0: (laughs) Um, Number two, who is a entrepreneur that you admire and why?
1: Actually, two of my good girlfriends, um, Jerry Evans. She owns Turning Natural Juice Bars throughout D.C. Ooh, we're doing our thing with Jerry, too. I love Jerry. And I love Arsha. I and love Arsha. You. Yeah, I know. We came to your live one together. <laughs> um, And Arsha Jones, who owns Capital City Mambo Sauce. Like, one, I use their products. I shop with them frequently. But aside from that, like, just the women they are, the friends that they've become to me, like, they have become so important to um, my success and my growth and my, you know, just creating space. Like, always saving space for me to just be exactly who I am and them like taking the time to like fully understand me as a person and me as a businesswoman and knowing like when to check me in separate spaces to help me to grow like they have become like two people two of my favorite people um, and I adore them and I think that their business minds are brilliant number three what is a non-negotiable part of your day music I love music. I mean, there's always music playing in the background when I'm cooking in my reels. Um, <laughs> always music in my life. Like there's speakers throughout my house. And when I come in the house, the first thing I do is light an incense and like take out my phone to turn on the music. I love music. It's just always a part of my day. It just relaxes me and excites me or just does whatever I needed to do. Yep. <laughs> Number <laughs> four.
0: Now, what is a personal habit that has helped you significantly in growing your business?
1: Um, knowing how to listen has been like the most important thing because especially as I kind of navigate being the quote unquote leader of this Spice Girl and tribe, like knowing how to listen to each of these women and understand what they need so that they can get from me what I, what they need and vice versa, um, has been like super important to the growth of my business because there will be no Spice Sweet in its current form without this, this tribe of women I call Spice Girls. Mm.
0: And then finally, um, what is your current parting advice for fellow Black women entrepreneurs who are on the journey to growing their side hustles into moneymakers?
1: So like typically my advice is like starting out perfect later, right? And I think I was typing something to a friend earlier today and I typed it and I was like, that, that, that's it. That's my new kind of advice to myself and to other people. Um, and I typed out to her that like perfection is the illusion of success. I think sometimes we think that like when things are, you know, we, we, uh, we think that things are perfect and we think that that is success. And perfection doesn't exist, right? And so as long as you're thinking that things are perfect, you'll never really be successful because you will be striving towards something that is unattainable. Um, Like all we can do is take small steps every day in the direction of our dreams and we will get there. We will get closer and closer to the life that we want to live. But to think that we'll ever be perfect um, is deceiving. And to think that success is tied to perfection is misleading. Mm. That is speaking to me right there. So I thank you for that. I really, truly from the bottom
0: of my heart, thank you for that. And um, before we go, can you share where people can
1: connect with you online and on social media after they listen to this episode? For sure. So our Instagram is the best place to reach us because I'm always there um, <laughs> at the Spice Suite and um, on Facebook at Spice Suite. And we recently launched um, some community spaces that were not launched by me, but by folks who love us. And those are um, black girls in the Spice Suite. And we shop the Spice Suite, which oh, I love connect and share recipes and find personal shoppers all right guys and i will link to
0: all of those in the show notes or in the description box on youtube so thank you thank you so much angel for being who you are for coming back to celebrate the five-year anniversary of side hustle pro thank you all right guys and there you have it